For the sake of the visitors, my name is Kevin Yagaka. I am a member of this church and also serve as one of the pastors here. We have been uh, going through, for the past uh, three Sundays, we have been going through a study on the 12 disciples of Christ who are called apostles. We, in the first, um, in the first Sunday, we considered all, all of the 12. We highlighted, we highlighted their calling and considered how common they were. And by common, I mean ordinary. They were not any special than we are. They were just human beings um, who were chosen by Christ for the apostleship. Um, the Sunday after, we looked at the Apostle Peter. We saw his uh, human, na human nature, his friends, and how God used him. Last Sunday, we considered uh, James, James the greater, James the brother of John. And today we will consider John, the brother of James. Before we start, uh, let's pray. Our gracious God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning that you've granted us together. We thank you for this um, Lord's Day that you have given us to come and enjoy you in your presence. We thank you for your word that you have freely given to us. You have made yourself known to us and that through, by, uh, through your word. We delight to look at your word, to study and to know you. We pray this morning that you will give us that joy, that fulfillment that comes from uh, the amazement of your word. As we look at this disciple, John, the apostle of love, teach us um, how you work through, uh, through people, how you change hearts, how you chose John and worked uh, through him for the advancement of your gospel. Teach us that in the same way you can use us and you will use us. We pray that we may um, engage our minds and hearts in this study. And for those who are not here yet, that they will uh, benefit from the whole study either by streaming live or by recalling um, the teaching on a later time or date. So be with us and help us to benefit from this study. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Before we get into a detailed uh, study of the Apostle John, I would love to remind us why we are doing this, why we are looking at the 12 disciples. Um, it is not just random. It is not something that I picked because it is an interesting topic. This is to, the aim is to ignite in us a fire and an excitement for the gospel ministry. Uh, the gospel ministry, sadly, have been left to a few, to pastors and theologians. The work of evangelism 
has been left to, again, pastors, theological students. Sadly, even amongst us, um, we have evangelism when we have TPC. And even then, um, rarely do members join in with the, with the TPC students to go out for evangelism. So this, this study is aimed at showing us that even the greatest of the Christians we know, the apostles, were ordinary human beings, just like you and me. They were used of God, and you can be used of God, and you will be used of God if you submit yourself to it. We, we have been encouraged and rebuked by um, William Carey, who says we should expect great things from God and attempt great things uh, for God. The gospel has been entrusted to us, just as it was entrusted to the apostles. And it is required that we will take the gospel and take it to all corners of, uh, to, to every place that, uh, that we go to. Every one of us, where we are, the gospel ought to be there. So that is, that is the aim. We will consider John today. We will see uh, who he was before encountering Christ and how he encountered Christ and how the encounter with Christ changed him. We have a lot in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, about John, and we cannot cover it all here. So I will, uh, I will ask that we interact with one another. I have prepared my study. I have uh, highlighted things about John that uh, stood out for me. Uh, but I know I haven't captured everything. So I will ask that you, you help me uh, in this. As we study John, help me to bring out the aspects of John in the Bible uh, that I, I may have missed. So let's start with uh, where we've been starting from in the other studies. What do we know about John? Uh, when we hear of John, what do we know about John? Anyone? We, yes. Uh, can you please wait for the mic? Thank you. John was a, an apostle, was a disciple of Jesus. Yes. He was a fisherman yes. before he was called. Mm -hmm. He was fishing with his father and his brother. And yes his father's servants, mm -hmm. when they were called, they left all yeah. to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, we see him in many of the places where Jesus was performing the miracles, mm -hmm. but he was among us in a circle. Yeah. We see John writing, presenting the gospel in a different way, a conspicuous way, mm -hmm. aside other than Mark and Matthew and Luke, mm -hmm. his gospel has an amazing introduction. He has this way of explaining the gospel to us. Mm -hmm. We see him in Acts 5, 3, mm -hmm. when he and Peter are healing the lame man at the beautiful gate. Mm -hmm. 
uh, we see him in first john mm-hmm. writing about love second john and third john about the truth mm-hmm. we see him in the island of patmos in revelation has he yep. receives this revelation and writes these yeah. chapters to us yeah thank you that's that's a good uh, summary of john we we know a lot about john um we we know that he was called the apostle of love we see john uh speaking of love over and over and over in the gospel he speaks about love in his uh three epistles he speaks about love 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 we we know that he was uh james's brother uh sons of zebedee and um whenever we see James in the Bible, last week when we were considering James, John was there. Uh, these two were, they were friends. They were brothers. They were friends. They did things together. They uh, worked together. They followed Christ together. They are together. They asked, um, they wanted uh Jesus to incinerate Samaritans. Um, together, they asked uh, to take the prime, throne, uh, the prime thrones uh, next to Jesus in heaven. We, we see him before the an encounter with Christ as a zealous man, exactly like James. And that is one thing that people miss about John. We know a lot. We know a lot about John and his uh, love and desire to love and nature of love. That we forget um, that he was also a son of thunder. It is John, together with James, whom Christ nicknamed the Bonages, the sons of thunder, because of their zeal. We know that he was from an influential family. We considered that last week when we considered James. His family was was well known to the high priest in in Jerusalem, which was on 20 kilometers away from Galilee. When Jesus was arrested, we see John entering the high priest's courtyard. Um, He just entered because he was known. When Peter was locked outside, it took John to speak to the servant girl to let Peter in. Um, He was a fisherman. And he was in Jesus' inner circle. Again, with, uh, with Peter and James, we see him at the raising of Jairus' daughter, in Mark chapter 5, verse 37. We see him on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, verse 1. We see John uh, together with um, Peter, James, and Andrew in Mark 13, verse 3, privately questioning Jesus about the end times. And we also see John at Gethsemane, so he was 
uh, in the inner circle of uh, Jesus. There's one interesting fact about John. Um, his age. At the time he encounters Christ, he was a teenager. He was just a young boy. Uh, the gospel, sorry, the book of Revelation was written, was written in 95 AD, 95 years after the death of Christ. And um, he's, John is the last apostle to die. He lived a long life. And he was, at the time of encountering Christ, just but a teenager. That, that fact uh, wowed me because uh, we see the energy he has. He was a disciple of John the Baptist before he was a disciple of uh, Christ. A teenager. He was working with uh, his father and brother. Uh, a teenager. That makes me, um, I can't help but compare John with teenagers nowadays. And even how we think of teenagers. We, we don't, when we think evangelism, rarely do we think of teenagers, even children. We have a ministry, uh, we have an evangelism ministry at Donham Primary, but I'm not um, sure if we all take it seriously if we pray for that ministry if we pray for children to come to faith how we treat our own children um, do we just leave our teenage teenagers to their tiktok and uh, care little if they know the gospel that that encouraged uh, encouraged me to see that John was just a teenager at the time he encountered Christ. Um, we see again that John was just like James. Together with James, they wanted to, they thought, or rather, I think, uh, they thought they were the greatest amongst the disciples. We see that in the account in Luke uh, 22 when they ask for the, for the thrones next to Jesus on the right and on the left. When the other disciples uh, heard that, they were not happy with it. And the argument of who was the greatest among them came after that. And it went on until Jesus uh, showed them by the example of the washing of their feet, that the greatest is the least. The greatest amongst the disciples is the servant. And we also know that John was um, the last of the apostles to, to die. Um, anything else? The general, anything else? Have I missed anything about the general knowledge about John? Things we know about John. Is there anything you think I have missed? Something that stands out? 
Yes. Yeah. Um, I think uh, John probably, oh, yeah, uh, did his ministry in Ephesus. Yes. Uh, it's believed that's where he died. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay, there's one incident at the cross where he seems to have a very special relationship with Christ because mm -hmm. uh, he entrusts the care of the mother to John. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that, that is very special. Uh, last week we, we saw that James was with John and their mother when when Christ taught about the cost of discipleship, when Christ told the disciples that you have to hate your uh, family, your brother, your mother, if you are to follow him. Um, I think this, Christ was going to teach John this in a very, very unique way. We are not uh, told why Jesus entrusts his mother to John, who's very young, and not his brothers. Jesus had brothers. We are not told in the Bible why he did that, but we can speculate. And my speculation is um, that lesson. Jesus was uh, leaving his teaching. She hated his family, he entrusted his own mother, who I think was a believer, to a fellow believer. In my opinion, that's what happened. Uh, he looks, from, from the cross, he looks down at uh, John and, and says, um, sorry, at Mary and says, woman, behold your son, and to John, um, behold your mother. And we are told from that time, uh, Mary went on to live with John. Any comment about that? My opinion is that he entrusted his mother, who was a believer, to a fellow believer. Um, he taught that if you, you will lose your family on earth, but you will gain uh, brothers and sisters. You will gain a better family in, in Christ. What do you think about uh, but again, it's a speculation. We are not told that that's what happened. Yes, and thanks for pointing that out. Anything else? Yes. I think many of us, if we're honest, could say that in many ways we're closer to our brothers and sisters in Christ than we are to our own families. So I didn't get that. Many of us are closer yeah. to our brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. than we are to our own families. Yeah. It's not that we don't care about them and don't go see them, yeah. but we see our, our brothers and sisters in Christ on a more, on a more regular basis. We spend time with them and talk yeah. to them. 
and we pray for them and they pray for us. There may be from members of our family who are lost mm. and we pray for them, yeah. but we don't have that reciprocal part of that relationship where they're praying for us also. Yeah. So I think that makes us closer in some ways mm -hmm. to our eternal family yeah. than to our earthly families. So yeah. That's probably, that speaks to what you were saying about John and Mary. Yeah. Um, I, I would do the same. It is my hope that I, I should, should I die and entrust my family to members of this church more than to my own family. They would be uh, in safe hands with brethren more than with uh, my blood family. And such is the family of Christ. Okay, now let's let's consider the the calling of John. We see the calling of John in John chapter one. John one thirty five. Um, I'll start from twenty nine. This is the very first calling. Uh, John 1.29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, that's John the Baptist. Um, I repeat, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the son of God. Now, when John is John the Baptist, when he was speaking these words, uh, John, the brother, the brother of James, was with him. And now verse 35, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, as he walked by, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Um, the two disciples here is, one of them is Andrew, the other one is uh, not named. And we conclude it is John because uh, John in the gospel does that. If it were any other disciple, he would have named the disciple like he does Andrew. But the fact that he doesn't name him and we know that uh, John does not refer to himself in his gospel, we conclude that the other disciple was John. So this is the, the first call, the first call that John gets. And you see that, um, sorry, it's, it's not even uh, a call. He encounters Christ. John the Baptist points 
out that uh, this is the Lamb of God and the two disciples of John the Baptist follow Jesus Christ. We again see another call in Matthew 4. Let's turn to Matthew 4, 21. Matthew 4.21, I'll start uh, from 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. 21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, his father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So this is now the, uh, the place where we are told that they left whatever they, they were doing. They left their nets, they left their father, and they followed Christ. Um, we see yet another calling now into the apostleship in Luke chapter 6. Let's turn to Luke 6. Luke 6, 12. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So this is uh, the call to the apostleship, which happened approximately one and a half years later. They have been following Jesus Christ, and now Jesus... Uh, goes um, goes to the, to the mountain to pray all night, comes down, calls his disciples, and from his disciples, his many disciples, chooses 12 and uh, appoints them to the apostleship. Now, this, this incident itself shows us uh, how important prayer is. Do you think Jesus did not know who the disciples who, who he would choose for uh, the apostleship. It is not that Jesus was praying to God to show him um, who he would choose. Rather, he was praying for them. 
he knew who he was going to choose, but he was praying for them because he knew that the task at hand would be difficult. So if Jesus prayed, if God himself prayed, who are we to um, put aside prayer, especially when we, we know the outcome of something? Um, when you have money in your bank and you know that you will be provided for in the next one, two, three years, do you still pray for provision? It is God who provides still, you know. Do you still pray for your daily bread? You know, some of us forget and we just, because we know what we have, we, we do not pray for the things that are obvious. But we see Jesus here praying for things that to him would be obvious. Again, um, it is important to highlight um, that the calling uh, of the apostles happened in stages. This is not something that happened overnight. John was not called. Uh, it did not happen overnight. Number one, first he was a disciple of John the Baptist. So he knew scriptures, uh, the Old Testament scriptures. He knew about a Messiah who would come. He knew that John the Baptist was preaching the truth, and he followed John the Baptist. So when Jesus came, and John the Baptist pointed Jesus out as the Messiah, John immediately, with Andrew, left John the Baptist to follow Jesus. And even after that, Christ still called John um, one and a half years later. So when we preach the gospel to people, we should not uh, be contented uh, by just calling them once. You know, you preach the gospel to your family members once and you say, I've checked that box. They've had the gospel, now let God work in their hearts. That's, that's not how it's done. You preach the gospel over and over and over. You invite them to church, you invite pastors to preach uh, at your parties at home, over and over. The same is, um, it is the same with gospel ministry. You know, you don't get uh, a conviction to become a pastor overnight. You, you are called, a sermon is preached, you are convicted, you are called, you feel the burden, and then you just say, you know, forget about it. Life goes on. One year later, something else spurs you. A brother tells you, hey, you're, you're gifted. Have you considered this? Um, again, you ignore that fact. Maybe 10 years later, you become one. The, my point is, do not, be, do not settle with uh, doing something once. Do not be convinced against the gospel ministry because of um, an event that happened once in your lifetime. You stood up to preach somewhere, you had nothing to say, it was shameful, and you were convinced by that event that, you know, gospel ministry is not your thing. We know that uh, the disciples would, after, after Christ died, they left him, they went back to fishing. Uh, but Christ appeared to them again, encouraged them, 
and uh, in a sense recalled them to gospel ministry. That is how calling works. Any comments on that? Questions or comments on that thought? Okay. So something else about John that we learn from uh, his nicknaming with his brother James. We read in Mark, in Mark 3, 16, when the, the account of choosing the disciples from Mark, Mark 3, 16 reads, he appointed the 12, that is Jesus, he appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name uh, Bonages, the, that is, sons of thunder. This, again, shows us who John was. John was this zealous teenager um, who loved truth. He was energetic. He, you know, even the account of him following Jesus, he just, he's convinced he just leaves John the Baptist and follows Jesus, just like that. That is the nature of John. Again, we see this play out uh, when they're passing through Samaria and they ask Jesus to call down fire to burn the Samaritans. Now, this was John. This was Peter. Sorry, this was James, but this too was John. We, we see John growing uh, in love and truth. Uh, it is assumed that uh, John transformed from this wrathful person, from this zealous person, to a soft person someone who is of love and not truth. We, we know John to be a lover of truth uh, before he encountered Christ. He is known as, um, uh, sorry, we, 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 see, we see Jesus nicknaming him the son of thunder. But he does not lose this quality. We see in his uh, gospel, it is John who contrasts uh, light against darkness. John is very, very, um, uh, how do I put it? He is, with, with John, things are very clear. He compares, he contrasts life against death, the kingdom of God against the kingdom of the devil the children of God against the children of Satan. You know, according to John, if you're not a believer, you're uh, a child of Satan. It's, it's that simple. You're either a child of God or a child of Satan. And that is the case. Uh, with John, it is the judgment of the righteous against the judgment of the wicked. The resurrection of life against the, uh, the resurrection of damnation. 
with John, you either receive Christ or you reject Christ. Uh, with John, there's no, I'm considering it. There's no, I'm waiting. You, you're, you're either, you've either accepted Christ or you have rejected Christ. And that is the case. If you're not a believer, if you come to church Sunday after Sunday and you have not accepted, uh, you, you have not believed in Jesus Christ, you have rejected him. You are not considering him. You have rejected him. With John, you're either bearing fruit or you're fruitless. You're either obedient or disobedient. With John, it's either love or hate. You know, that is, that is John. Listen to what John, uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, in his old mature age, says um, in all love to his uh, hearers. Let's, let's go to 1 John 3.6. First John 3, 6 to 10. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let, uh, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is a very mature man. He has grown, he has walked, uh, the Holy Spirit has helped him, and this is what he says. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Um, I remember there's a time we had tip dot, we were discussing uh, people who are backsliders. You know, and uh, Pastor Morungi pointed out that when you are in sin, when you are living in sin, you are a believer and you're living in sin, you must not think of yourself as a believer who is fallen, a believer who is just in sin. According to John, you, you are at that point, you are... Uh, the devil's child. If you're in the practice of sinning, you're the devil's child. Until you repent and turn back to Christ, you should not think yourself as a child of God. So again, we see that John does not lose this aspect of him where he is clear-cut, where he loves truth. Rather, he just grows in both love and truth. We see his sharp contrasts 
and conviction. Uh, to him, things have, uh, had always been and were still black and white. That is John. Any question or comments so far? There is none. We'll we will continue. Um, let's consider one account um, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter nine. Mark nine. Um, Yes, from 38, Mark 9, 38. Now, this is, this is the, only, uh, the only place that we see John by himself. In the Bible, we see John with someone else. Uh, John with James, John with Peter, John with Christ. But this is the one place where John is speaking um, by himself. Mark 9.38, uh, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able uh, soon after to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So this is young John. This is not uh, the old mature John. This is the young John, the John who wants uh, a throne next to Jesus. He sees someone uh, casting out demons in Jesus' name and thinks to himself, how dare he? He's, he's not one of us. And he reports this person to, to Jesus. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Uh, clearly, if this person was casting out demons in Jesus' name, he had known Jesus. He was either a follower of John the Baptist or among the many disciples that um, Jesus had who had believed, who knew the power of Christ, who was sharing the gospel and doing what was commanded of him. Probably, uh, I don't know, but probably one of the 72 who was uh, sent out. Either way, he was doing it uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. But John tried to stop him. This uh, is something that we, we learn. It's a lesson that Jesus taught John and a lesson that Jesus is teaching us here today. We, we do not um, 
I want to put it in a way that is very uh, clear and not offensive. We do not own truth. We, if someone is not, um, especially in our circles, uh, reformed circles, we find that we, we find ourselves fighting people who are preaching the truth, who are preaching the gospel, but we think ourselves better than them because we have the brand reformed. I know an old man uh, who preaches to strangers. He has preached to me several times. I don't think he knows anything about reformation. He is old, he is a farmer, he sells seedlings, but if he meets you along the way and you're going the same direction he is, he will preach to you. He has preached to, to me several times, and every single time, he has preached nothing but the gospel. Simple, pure. He has called out sin. You will walk with him for two, three minutes, but at the end, by the time you're parting, you know that you're a sinner and you need Christ. You know, people like those are to be encouraged. Whenever we go out, I attended a funeral this uh, weekend, and I remember thinking to myself, before the preacher stood to preach, I remember thinking to myself, now let's hear what this one will say. It's, it happens to us. Uh, you, you think that you are in a way better. You think that you know scriptures more than others. You don't benefit from the preaching of people who will not be reformed because you are reformed. That is, um, that is pride. That is sin. And we see God rebuking it here. And this was young John, but that changes after that. Any, any comment about that? Yes, Pasi. Thanks. Thanks for that reminder of confession of faith in uh, chapter 26, which deals with the church. Mm -hmm. uh, the 14th uh, uh, line basically obligates us if we are truly reformed and committed to the London Baptist Confession of Faith, as we say, we are, it obligates us to pray for other churches. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to recognize that some of those situations we come into are providential. So there's a funeral you get to know about a church mm. that hitherto you didn't know about. Mm. Or one of us gets a job in another geogra geographical area, we get mm. to know about a church we, we didn't know about. Mm. One of the ladies gets married to a brother in another church, mm. and we get to know that church. And so we are obligated in our professional faith to, to pray for others. Yes. Thanks. Any question or thought, comments? How from the character of John do we, can we learn as Christians to, to balance between truth and love? Because he is the apostle of love, but yet again, 
we see how he upholds the truth so that it's black and white. It's it's either light or darkness. It's God or the devil. How do we in in ministry as we serve people, as we preach to them, how do we balance between this love and this truth? Okay, thank you for the question. Um, anyone who would like to answer that one? I think one of the things that has worked out for me is to, to ensure constantly that the greatest commandment is not made the second greatest commandment. Mm. That both are important, but to love neighbor with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. Uh, and then to love God as I love myself is to turn my name to an idol. Mm. And uh, the order needs to be you love God uh, first, and then out of that love, you love me. And that tends to help me to, to find that balance that mm. can be evasive of uh, doing what the apostle says when he writes in, in, in third John to Gaius, whom I love in the mm. truth. And mm. he's simply saying there is no loveless truth, there is no truthless love. Yeah. You've got to do both. Mm. Yeah. Um, one other area, one area in which uh, we see John growing in, and one area that uh, Christ is also able to transform us is in humility. Uh, John is John is the man who again wants the best throne for himself. Together with James, they want power. They want to rule. Uh, Jesus asked of them, uh, when they asked to uh, sit with him in his kingdom, he told them, are you able to drink uh, the cup from which I will drink? They, they answered, yes, we will. They did not know what they were asking for. Uh, Jesus told them, and indeed you will. We know they did. Um, but that John is the same John who, at the time of writing the gospel, does not refer to himself at all uh, directly as John. He calls himself that other disciple, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when he, said the, when he says the disciple whom Jesus loves, it doesn't mean that uh, it's not that battle again. Who does Jesus love most? It's not the disciple whom Jesus loves most. Jesus loved all the disciples perfectly. It is that he is fascinated by the love that Christ has for him, that he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. It is to draw glory to Jesus and not himself. That is the John. He was transformed. He was proud and zealous, he wanted uh, power, but here in his Gospels, we see him um, hiding away from the glory. He gives the glory to Christ. Again, we see 
uh, how he glorifies God in his suffering. In my opinion, John suffered the most. He drank that cup of suffering the most. Uh, this is why I, I, I say this. He was a good friend of James, his brother. And um, let me use an example. We, we have um, Pastor Dominic and uh, our deacon, Charles. We know him as Cash. They are brothers. Um, if the deacons and elders were to be persecuted for the sake of um, the gospel, and uh, Pastor Dominic is beheaded, the church will suffer, the church will mourn the loss of uh, a friend, a brother. But who do you think will suffer most? Who do you think will grieve and mourn most? It would be Cash. This is what happens here. John suffers the loss of his brother James. He was first um, to be killed for the sake of the gospel. He suffers that. So he loses his family. He forsakes his family. He gains a new family in Christ. He builds new friendships. The apostles, they become one with one another. And he watches them die one by one, all of them, for the sake of the gospel. He is alone, an old man, the last apostle. And I, I, I believe he, he felt the pain most of all the apostles. And not to say that he did not suffer physically. We know that his life was not uh, a walk in the park. He did not retire to an island, a blissful island. He went to an island, but it was an island of suffering. So we see John suffering for Christ, and we ought to uh, emulate him in that example. We ought to suffer for the sake of Christ in love. Any uh, comment about that as we, as we close? Question or comment? Okay. So this, these are the things that we, we learn from these apostles, that they were ordinary men, they encountered Christ, and Christ transformed them, and they did extraordinary things. Uh, for example, John suffering his whole life for the sake of the gospel. I know there, there's still a lot that we haven't said about John. Um, but I hope this, this, uh, this pairs you up. This uh, makes you want to serve Christ. I will repeat that we serve the same God, the same Holy Spirit who empowered the apostles, empowers us. The same gospel that was uh, delivered to the apostles has been delivered to us. 
why should we do less with the gospel? Why should we attempt less having the same power that fueled the apostles? When we get the opportunity, we will, we will look at the other disciples, but for, for now, that, that will be it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this uh, session that we've had to consider the Apostle uh, John, the Apostle of Love, to see how you used his zeal to his old age, to planting churches in Ephesus and uh, overseeing those churches and uh, being a father to many from the time he was a young teenager to his old age, you used him in a mighty way. We ask that you may use us the same way, that you may, through us, take the gospel to many, our families, our workmates, uh, the unreached groups in Kenya. Give us that desire to want to do your will on earth, to pray for your will on earth every day and to make sure that we, we play our part in accomplishing that will. Help us again not forget these lessons, but to remind ourselves every day that you have chosen us and that you have called us by your name and that you have, you have entrusted the gospel to us. And we will one day, when you come for us, uh, give an account before you of what we have done with everything that you have entrusted to us. Uh, blessed is the Christian who will be found faithful on your coming. Help us to be those Christians. We pray for the rest of this day as we interact with one another, as we worship you, as we sing to you, and uh, hear from your word that you will build us up and that believers will come to faith through the preaching of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.